Blog Talk Radio. There he is. The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back, my friends, to the Geekish Cast that rarely ends. It is January 18th of 2018, <laughs> and all Andorians have Longworm. I am your host, Jeremy Vilmer, and I am definitely not a bearded representative of a parallel universe passing himself off as your host. Joining me, <laughs> joining me this week as your guest host is Joe Slutsky from Joe on Joe. What's happening, Joe? Hey, Jeremy. Live long, prosper, and all those good tidings. Yes, long live the empire. <clears throat> Peace and long life. <laughs> What's going on, we'll say, on Joe? We'll, on say, Joe we'll say we all, or is that the at the wrong galaxy? Man, uh, things yeah. are good, man. Things are good on Joe on Joe. We actually, this uh, last week we had our big movie episode, and this week we did uh, the classic Transformers episode that was a G.I. Joe crossover. Oh, that is one you, I actually forget that happened. But yeah, it was part of the um, the Hasbro uh, crossover that they did there. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so it was it was it was more I think uh, yeah definitely Hasbro, but more I think a little Marvely crossover influences Marvel being one of the production guys. But they used um, Cobra Commander in an episode of Transformers. So Transformers was at the time was taking place in the year two thousand five. And G.I. Joe, you know, was taking place in 1984, 85. So you meet uh, the, the Autobots ran into some trouble and the bad guys who were just a bunch of like kind of street terrorists. They they called on a guy named Old Snake, who was Cobra Commander, voiced by Chris Lada and everything. And he helped them. And they what was really cool is they actually used Synthoid technology, which was technology from the G.I. Joe show. They had been used multiple times and they put the Autobots into Synthoid bodies. And then, you know, hijinks ensue and the Autobots win the day. And at the end of the show, you have Old Snake uh, walking down the street. And he's picture Cobra Commander with his face mask. But instead of everything else that he's wearing, he's dressed like Carmen Sandiego. I That's what it was Snake. kind of a little bit pimp suit is what I was feeling. Yeah, but, kind yeah. of pimpy. Yes, kind of pimpy, kind of pimpy. Uh, but he's, you know, walking down the street and he, you know, streams like he's like, they don't make terrorists like they used to. Cobra. And he like chokes on the word Cobra. So you never actually hear it. Uh, that is pretty awesome. Amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah. Pre- it's a pretty great episode. So my buddy, Matt Kyle, who's the biggest Transformers fan that I've ever met, uh, he came on and just dropped all kinds of Transformers knowledge. It was pretty great. That's fantastic. Also, now we haven't had to actually do a sound check yet, but joining us also is Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek, the man who has forgotten more about Star Trek than any of us would ever know. What's <laughs> happening, Larry? Hey, uh, it's all good. It's a crazy week, but it's all good. You can hear me okay? I, I hear we it. haven't done a sound check. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, you sound fine. Um, you're a little low, but I think I think we'll be okay. Uh, but I also hear that it's the doctor's birthday. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. It is the doctor's yes. birthday, yes. Happy birthday, Larry. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. It's always a pleasure to have you on board. Happy well, birthday, you. Larry. Oh, thank you, Joe. Guys, nice to meet you. It's a real pleasure to meet you as well. I've heard your name. Um, I actually have co-hosted a little bit on Saturday Morning Trek with our mutual friend Aaron Harvey. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I've heard I've heard your name dropped uh, very lovingly about and knowingly about all things Trek. So it's a real pleasure. And we yeah. won't even talk about all the other times, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I've also heard it horrible, non-lovingly well, dropped. Time. Terrible things have been said, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Larry has done three or four episodes of us, but not the live episodes. But he's been on a few times, so I'm actually really happy to have him on on a live episode. And uh, this is awesome. If we can yeah, I didn't know you were. I didn't know you were doing live, so this is great. Much better than yeah. dead episodes. But yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> dead episodes are probably the second worst we could do. Yeah. Dead air. And if we can, be avoided at all costs. Absolutely. If we can figure out a way to bring up Will Rogers in this episode, we will. <laughs> listen, listen to you. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we won't uh, even go to ba- we won't even t- touch Baker Mayfield because he's untouchable. So we'll just stick with you know, fantastic. Leave the trifecta away there. Exactly. So, uh, Larry, we've never done this with you before. So, uh, Joe and I will start it off. But when we do the live episodes, we start with what are you geeking out about? Where we talk about what we are really into this week. So, Joe, what are you geeking out about this week? Well, there's a lot, um, and I think I, I've been I've been watching some of the Oscar. I know it's not geek stuff, but I've been watching a lot of the Oscar bait movies. We've been getting a lot of that through our system. But I think in the geek realm, I think I'm geeking out about the Legion of Superheroes uh, being on Supergirl this week. I really, oh yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would based on the promotional stills. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about the Legion of Superheroes very much this week. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty nice nerdy thing to get into. Um, so me, I am geeking out about a ten year old Chinese soap opera about the life of Bruce Lee called The Legend of Bruce Lee. Awesome! Uh, oh my God, you guys! If you've never seen a Chinese soap <laughs> opera translated into English for our viewing pleasure, you've never lived. <laughs> Uh, there are, well, there's a point where Bruce and Linda are getting married and her mom goes to Bruce and says, Bruce Lee, thank you for your Kung Fu captivating my daughter's love. (laughs) And (laughs) there's not a whole lot more that I can say about it to really captivate that moment. But that is what all the dialogue is like. That is really what it's all like. I, I just, Yeah. So, wow. yes, I am very much, as a, a guy who was born the year that Bruce Lee died, before I knew Star Trek, before I knew superheroes, before I knew Elvis, I knew Bruce Lee, and I love this show, The Legend of Bruce Lee. Larry, what are you geeking out about this week? Uh, well, aside from uh, the Trek Files launching, uh, I'm going to stick close to home, and uh, since you caught me off guard a little bit with this, I've sure. got to geek out about the Andorians and the Tellarites being back on screen yes. in that uh, episode of, of Discovery. And I really, really love people. It's almost like I was wondering, but I guess I've spread this around enough where a lot of people online were, I wonder what Larry thinks about the Tellarites, which was flattering but weird. Like I had anything to do with it or, you know, like whatever I cared. But I guess some, 
that's a title to have, the world's Tellarite uh, <laughs> uh, pundit. I don't know. That's the word I wanted. But I was pleasantly surprised, especially the fact that these were supposed to be rebels and ragtaggy and, you know, uh, pretty patched together. They, they were more boar than wild boar than pig with the tusks and everything on the Tellarite side of things. But no, it was fine. I, you know, and I, but I was, I was blown away. But I thought the Andorian was really well done and really a throwback style. So, um, no, I was cool. Just out of the, there were other stuff. There were other things. Other stuff was happening in that episode as well. But you know, it was really all about the Andorian and the Tellarite. But oh, absolutely. Um, because you know what? Yeah. When it started. I looked at it and I, I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice anything about the uh, Andorians, who all have long worm, by the way. Um, <clears throat> the Tellarites, I really like their new design. I, that was the first time I looked at the Tellarite and thought, "Oh, pig humanoid," and thought it looked good. Well, I, it does get me back though. It's, I don't care what iteration. Nobody has ever been. Nobody's ever had the balls enough to do the hardline snout like they did in the original, in Journey to Babel. It's like, yeah. whether it was the, the original, even the original series movies, much less the one go in, the couple of goes in Enterprise toward the end, they made Mike Westmore um, uh, water it down, dilute the, the nose down. And then this is actually a better snout than, than they, they did in Enterprise, if you look at it. And it's, you know, organic and natural looking. And I, I, I don't think of the 60s snout as looking like it, you know, uh, uh, unsophisticated makeup or the pre-era of, of, of really supple latex and prosthetics, I look at it, that's just what the damn nose looks like. And <laughs> and the one that I wore in the fans, in the, the, the Phase 2, they tried to put the best of the Enterprise and the original series. Like, the nose was completely snouty, but the forehead had the complexity of the one that, that Mike Westmore did for, for Enterprise. Anyway, I thought it was the best of all worlds, coin phrase. And, um, yeah, but I... I um I my my filter on this was colored by the fact that again they were supposed to be you know like rebel scum and um <laughs> really ragtaggy so uh I I could see biker gang biker gang tellerites what I was thinking oh yeah I saw that guy yeah no I I thought it looked really well oh god you know what I should have done was gotten the guy who were, who followed you on uh, Star Trek continues as uh, McCoy that would have been a fun episode darn it well for next oh. time. I'll... <laughs> Well, I mean, Chuck is still around. I mean, you know, you could, yeah. Yeah. He's a busy guy. Right. He's doing so much uh, voiceover, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that would have been kind of fun. Yeah, the Tellarites were always an underused alien, I thought, in original Star Trek and all follow-up Star Treks, I thought. Well, I, I'm i a big, I'm, some of my favorites in Star Trek are driven by the fact that I'm a friend of the underdog. So it's like if somebody is out there getting all the attention, the spotlight, like if it's Kirk and Spock or if it's Vulcans and Klingons, or whatever. If it's the Enterprise and A and B and the D and the E, then I'm a fan of the C. <laughs> sure. I, I was a big McCoy and Scotty fan early on, wondering why they didn't get their due. And, you know, so that's that kind of, I'm just kind of contrary that way sometimes. But it's always with, there's always good intentions under that. There's, you know, yeah. It's not well, it's, I, like not I've always said, like, contrary. the guy you pick to be like would always be Kirk. But the guy you should really want to be like is always McCoy. Well, see, you say that, but I was, you know, the old joke, the old story I love to tell is when I was when I was first a kid and I was first a fan, and you couldn't. It was like the idea that someone would be a fan. And this is the baby days of pop culture too. Like 
you know, we're, we're drowning and marinating in it now, and people will sell you anything in a heartbeat, and they're smart enough to do that. But back in the day, if you didn't have a shirt, you know, all the T-shirts would say would say Star Trek, have the Enterprise on them, or have Kirk, or have Spock, or have Kirk and Spock, or maybe a crew picture. But the idea that someone would want a T-shirt with just McCoy on it, much less just Uhura or Sulu, like, it's like, huh? You know, like we can't just sell two 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 T-shirts to the whole world. So anyway, the first you know the first T-shirt with McCoy on it I was ever able to get was an iron-on transfer from Lincoln, which is now Roddenberry.com. That was, mm-hmm. and the only thing they had was the still from Patterns of Force with where McCoy had just beamed into the closet and he barely had his uniform on. So the my first McCoy T-shirt, which I still have with a slightly flaky iron-on transfer, is Kirk, uh, Spock, and McCoy lined up in their Nazi uniforms. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's how desperate you had to be back in the day. It was like the concept of just having a McCoy image on a shirt didn't exist. Like, we'll only sell five of these in the entire world for the next 20 years. We can't do, you know. Yeah. Well, and... and Yeah. I was going to say, we'll, uh, we'll get into Roddenberry.com here in a little bit. That's going to be our main story for the show today. Oh, yeah. Because, Don't watch uh, out. I'll, I'll steer you off on some tangent here. Don't let me do that. <laughs> the tan- this, show is all about, this show is all about tangents. So. Oh, no. That's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's kind of what we do. Uh, but Larry's got big news coming, coming from the world of Roddenberry.com. But before we get there, because I really want to get into that story, uh, we're going to talk about some other nerd stuff happening uh, this week. Well, actually... This is our first live episode of the year, so we're going to talk about some things going into now. But um, apparently Jake Gyllenhaal might be set to replace Ben Affleck as Batman after the Flash movie. Have you guys heard about this? Have you read about this? Have you seen anything online uh, yeah, about saw, this? Yeah, hey, did you hear about this? Uh, yeah, I saw it a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, I, you know, I, I, like Jake, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he'd be great. Um. You know, yeah, I mean, they definitely, they're, Affleck, they, it's not his fault as an actor, but they started that character way too old, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the movie. So, yeah, they need to go a little younger, although I don't think Gyllenhaal's that much younger. He's not that much younger, is he? That, yeah, that was really not. Yeah. Yeah, the years but, are creeping by on everybody, guys. Well, yeah. that's true. You know, you might look at it as an opportunity to, to apologize for Prince of Persia. Oh, <laughs> oof. You went right to the hard material. <laughs> I was. Well, he's done, he's done so many good things. You, you have to. You have to single out that that choice. I'm just sitting here thinking about Brokeback Mansion or something. And I, there you I, go. Or well, the fact that his sister played Batman's love interest in Dark Knight. So. Uh huh. As long as he they almost you know, played Spider Man at one point too, right? When Tobey Maguire tried to play the I found a bad back. Yes. Yeah. His he was. He's always in talks for that kind of role. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a good actor, like, though. I think he's real talented. Yeah, so like, no, I thought he was a good choice, but here's the thing: Ben Affleck was a great Batman in Batman vs Superman, but he was a lousy Batman in Justice League. Well, that's not his fault, though. You know, that's because no, no, he had it, it, the different directors, and they gave him different direction, and you yeah. know, that's that's you can't hold that on him. And I would have actually been okay with him playing Batman for about a 10-year period, because it's my opinion that Batman should be a bit older than everybody else. Yeah, a little bit mm. beaten down, a little bit broken up, but you can't Batman, tell me that... Batman mm-hmm. should be 35, Bruce should be 30. I'm sorry, Bruce should be 35, Clark should be 30, and Diana yeah. should you know, be whatever. 
you know, she's immortal. So, but yeah, thousand Clark, Clark, yeah. yeah, Clark should be a couple years younger than Brett than Bruce. Not a ton though, but just a couple. And Bruce should be around thirty-five forever. Yeah, because he's got to have like a couple kids underneath him, whether they're adopted yeah, or him, born it, or whatever. Right. Yeah. It gives him 50, it gives him fifteen years of being Batman. You know, somewhere between twelve and fifteen years of being Batman. The opportunity to go through a few Robins, you know, get a little history under his belt. But he's at thirty-five. You could still go out and do the things that you know that he can do. Now I couldn't. Oh at yeah. 35. I you know well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can't even run ductwork in my house at yeah, 34. Exactly. So yeah. I'm blowing my yeah. knees out. But uh, you know what I'm saying. Oh, no, I follow you at all. So, Larry, are you a Batman guy, Superman guy? What, what is your comic book I'm, background? Well, you know, I, I at, at the risk of coming on any non-Trek geek show and saying mm-hmm. this, I was never a big – I mean, I grew up in America, so I know Superman and know Batman. But I, I was never a big superheroes guy because it was like – people running around in costumes sure when i was yeah, a little you, kid you know, I, but i was very bright, much i was a nasa kid and brightly and brightly outside. colored brightly colored uniforms that denote what they do wait a minute where does that sound familiar <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's the uniform that means there's thousands of people running around in those colors yeah and these it's guys were one guy uniform. was a thing and somebody else was a thing and, he has a, and, and kirk wasn't like you know Freddie Friday by day, and then he was James T. Kirk at night. I mean, but that wasn't the thing. The whole point was that Star Trek was us and NASA and our history projected right. in the future. It was just right, us. Right. And it wasn't like yeah. that was the thing, but that made sense to me. And I just, I mean, to this day, I really want to get, especially the series, uh, we sat down to watch Supergirl the first time. I've heard so much about it. And, and it's beloved, and, you know, these things have fan bases out the wazoo, not that Star Trek didn't start the Comic-Con revolution and that level of plateau of fandom, but I'll leave that aside for a second, even before Star Wars. But I get through. There's a certain point, no matter how much I'm enjoying the show, and I'll and then I'll go, oh, this is so comic booky, And then I go, oh, wait, that's because it is a comic book. And, <laughs> and that's, that's just where I am. And I can yeah. sit there. And then, now, Wonder Woman was like the exception to all of that. When there was combat and fighting... It started to go the little needle where I start to roll my eyes, but then it was never left that, and there was so much heart in it. And I, you know, I enjoyed the old Christopher Reeves Supermans, and and the thing I, the other thing about superhero movies is they're on this treadmill of they have to reboot every five years or six years. Or seven years. Oh yeah, that's that's, 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 that's a real. That I just, and yeah. then people roll their eyes and start whenever we have like a JJ situation with '09 or there's a new consternation about anything, you know, and people are rolling their eyes because the Trek people are yelling about rebooting and visualizing and everybody else is like, so I have a good friend who enjoys Trek, but he's, he is a comics guy. He's, you know, and he just, he's like, you people, you've had it for 50 years. Like get over this thing about you're going to have a unified (laughs) canon forever. I'm like, no, that is what is different about Trek. You know, it's like, there will always be a canon explanation. It's either a different era or you're looking through a filter, or it's an alternate universe. But that's what makes that's what makes it special. Not that that's why I loved it, but after all these years have gone by, and I had to stop and go, now wait a minute, what is different here? Why why you know what is the why are people so passionate about this? And that's why. So anyway, Larry, do you follow Trek in the comic book world? Like, did you did you read the Gold Key stuff? And I no, <laughs> well no, I, the Gold Key was like before my time, and I I. 
I wasn't a big comics. No, if you're saying like as an entree into that, I didn't. I've picked up a few and read them. If I knew somebody working on a book, I would. But like, all, and I have a ton of them put back, like through the '80s and '90s when they were on revolving licensees. Um, I know IDW right now is doing amazing things, and I know with Discovery they've pulled both the pocketbooks and the comics into a more. They're still not calling them canon, but they've pulled them in for a more coordinated with Kirsten Beyer in there, who who is a novelist, licensed novelist. Um, there's more coordination, and some of the novel people, uh, David Mack actually filled out a lot of canon that the show wound up using, which is just like almost unheard of. But to call me a comics guy and following them faithfully, religiously for more than a book or two at a time or whatever, or I'll see one and I mean to read it, like Dr. McCoy, Frontier Doctor, Space Doctor or something. Oh, yeah. Years ago. <laughs> yeah. I always meant to, and I just never get... Now, I did read The Countdown because it had key... The Countdown um, to the 2009, there were like a four-set comic... Uh, that was backstory to the JJ first movie. Okay. I read those because there was a lot of backstory that I needed when I was working on stellar cartography, the, the maps and book and all the things that pulled your hair out about the movie. They set up in at least and and um, uh, Alex Kurtzman and, um, and, and Bob Orsi had a hand in the comic were credited. So I took that as quasi canon and, and, and it was the only explanation and made a lot of things made sense. So there's an exception. Nice. But, uh, but one yeah. of my favorite one of my favorite crossovers uh, ever was Legion of Superheroes crossed over with uh, Star Trek, I and it was it was just in a wonderful comic book. Well, see, I I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to nix them or just not, for a long time I wouldn't read the novels much less the comics just because we had two shows going and it was the thick of, you know, it was the boom year the Berman boom years. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. There was so much on TV to keep up with that I didn't. Um, I don't want to say pollute my mind, but I didn't want to take up brain space with things that weren't canon because I had sure. to stay focused and stay up. Um, and now, you know, for 10 years now, we haven't. It's been the fallow years. And I could have been reading novels. I'll, and a lot of my friends are the authors that are writing the novels, especially. And they're out there. And thank God for, like, memory beta and things that I could go. If I need to go find something, I can go find it. But, I, you know, shame on me. I just never... I just never got in the habit. And as far as like Trek comics as an entree back to back to uh, old school guys with capes comics, um, no, it never never did. But I respect I respect them all. I respect what they've done. They obviously have huge fan bases, and they're the um, you know they're the they're the hot ticket of the moment unless they burn themselves out on, on big screen. So yeah. But, you know, that's kind of what happens to everything. Like, Star Wars, or Star Wars, Star Trek, look how huge that was in the late 80s, early 90s going into that. And we're, we went through the dark times, and now we're getting back into a point where Star yeah. Trek is kind of interesting again. Um, well, you know, this real quick, this news about CBS yeah. and Paramount maybe remerging, or as I keep saying, uh, reconciliating, uh, re- reconciling after the divorce. Um I you know it's if you stop I and sure think about it so. the the ratings were drooping on Enterprise and nothing was going to happen but if they had still been one entity maybe the answer for the desert the Star Trek desert would have been doing a Jerry uh, you know cherry pick characters from Voyager you know do a seven of nine and a and a Data and a Picard I mean pull characters from different movies and do a combined cast. Uh, movie just to get through the times, just to, just to test the waters and see what that would have done out of, oh, out of yeah. desperation with nothing on the horizon. If no one wanted to commit to a, if the feeling was 
uh, we need to rust the franchise for five or ten years. Maybe one solution might have been to do a one-off movie like that just to see how it went, or do a small, you know, a small budget movie. And this would have been before the, you know, what Iron Man first Iron Man was what that kicked all this. Uh, off. Yeah, it's ten years ago, six, six, I think. Yeah. yeah. So uh, writing I was, through there, it wouldn't or... have been so crazy. Yeah. Somebody would have said, "No, we've got to spend three hundred million, or it's no deal," you know, whatever. And that yeah. might have been a thing, but that was never going to be an option with, you know, with the Berlin Wall falling and the divorce happening and Paramount and CBS splitting up the. Yeah, the well, that might. Way. Yeah, that might fit into our third topic. Uh, let's Oops. let's rush through topic number two, so we can actually talk about that a little bit further. But uh, Joe, you'll know more about this than I will. But uh, Doctor Savannah has been cast for the <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Captain Thunder movie. That was a nice I believe. They're not calling it Captain Thunder. Shut up. Yeah, I, I believe it'll be called Captain Thunder, the motion picture movie. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting, man. Yeah. Shazam! Thaddeus Savannah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is the guy that played um, played Sinestro in... Uh, Did, oh, Lantern, it Mark, right? they cast Mark Strong? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. He's, I mean, he's a wonderful actor anyway. And Thaddeus Savannah is just a cackling mad insane doctor genius of a character so that's yeah. awesome and he's naturally yeah, and, bald so finally well i guess mark strong didn't wear a toupee in uh in the kingsman movies but yeah mark strong doesn't have to don any kind of wigs or anything and just go bald yeah. well he, and he sure made the green lantern movie work oh stop it he was actually <sighs> the only good thing about he was the only good thing about the green lantern movie yeah he was well, the only they, good thing about green lantern well, then maybe he and calling it Captain Thunder would make it better. Why are you stuck on this cat? They're not going to call him Captain Thunder. <laughs> no, what's wrong? I don't know what's wrong Joe, with you. you my, Joe, here's my I only, have to have hope in something. I know. I know. Here's my only question with, with Mark Strong. Yeah. I think he's a relatively, you know, he's a biggish uh, guy. And uh, Savannah was always drawn... And the thing with Captain Marvel, not Thunder, uh, the the looks of those characters, because C.C. Beck drew them so specifically, like, cartoony, you know? Like, yeah. there's a real look to Captain Marvel, where in Superman, he has a look, but there are, ta- I could name 15 different Superman artists that would all draw their version of Superman, and it'd be amazing. When you talk Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel has a very specific, almost comic strip look. Uh, yeah, well, everybody that, talks CC back when they talk right. about Marvel. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's the right guy to talk. If you look at, yeah. if you really look at some of CC back stuff, it's just so gorgeous. But Mark Strong is, um, he's, he's big, you know, he's a little tall. And Savannah was always kind of small and Weasley, so I hope they're able to to capture that. I hope they keep that in mind, and don't try to make him any kind of physical threat because Savannah had like well, a huge melon with just a Weasley little body. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I read a thing where they described him as a scientist or a wizard posing as a scientist. Yeah, movie. yeah, that's because Hollywood's dumb, and they don't think we can accept two different <laughs> concepts of both wizardry and science. Yeah, yeah, I heard, I saw, I did see that. That was disappointing. So he's going to yeah. walk and chew gum at the same time. That'll be right. Well, exactly. he's going to try to anyhow. Um Larry, so since we're going to talk about re- recasting a major villain or casting a major villain, what did you think of the second of the new Star Trek movies where they recast Khan? Oh, you want to you want to you want to relitigate yeah. all of that? Well, it was just <laughs> no, no, no. I, 
I do. Oh, I just want to get a quick encapsulation. There's a okay. So the realism level of me about all of these little fan debates is always kind of like, you know mm-hmm. what? It's going to be what it is. And there's a piece of me that almost like resists overspending too much time arguing about things like that or debating or whatever. But the reality is, I mean, it was just stupid. They, you know, um, um, what's his name? Was a hot actor. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Cumberbatch. Yeah, Cumberbatch. Yeah, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch was a hot actor. They're thinking move. They're thinking totally feature. They're not. Nobody is marrying any of the. That's you know, sad to say. I was very. I felt so happy for JJ when he was able to go over to the Star Wars household and play over there after school. Because it was, you know, I just, eh. um, I wasn't, I wasn't going to stomp around and demonstrate and picket theaters and, you know, refuse to see the movie and all that. But it was just kind of silly that they, what was even bigger about the, but you know, he's a wonderful actor. But the other crazy thing was that they realized afterwards, it was like, it was like something going on in, you know, I don't know, politics right now or something where somebody realized they did wrong. And uh, so they try to deny it and deny it until finally somebody, the truth comes out. And that whole thing about, no, he's not con. No, he's not con. No, he's not con. No, he's not con. Oh, look, he's con. That was just ridiculous. It's like, who are I think that's the I think that's what irritated me about it. If they just finally like said, oh, okay, he's con, then I could have gotten over it. Right. But the way they did it, we're like, no, he's not con. And they went, ha ha, we tricked you. He is con. And then we're all like, well, you didn't trick us. We could tell. There's only yeah, like one I, major villain in the yeah. real in the the real world thing about who is or isn't he. That personally didn't bother me all that much, but mm-hmm. what bothered me in the, in the actual film itself when it's a reveal. But this is a universe where there's no history there. So when he's like, "My name is Khan," I just wanted them to go, "Okay, so my name's Kirk." Mm-hmm. What like mm-hmm. what? You know what I mean? There's there's in story. There's no reason for it to be a to be a bluff. And that was right. more insulting. That was the most insulting part for me. Well, there was a lot of, I mean, and that movie was the worst of it. But that's the problem when you say, all right, we're going re- to go back to the original characters, but we're going to do an alternate universe with them, which means everything is exactly the same that you know until it's not. Right, yeah. Because that's just what we need in the moment. There's no, you know, any like we're seeing on the Mirror Universe now on Discovery, if you're going to have an alternate universe, it's because you you know people and you go over and you, A, the actors get a holiday, but B, uh, you have something to contrast back to. And if you're just li- running around in an alternate universe, you, you're depending on either the older fans' knowledge of what is there and then the whole new fresh audience that you're hopefully bringing in. They're just there. So on one hand, it's the best of both worlds, but all these things that are supposed to be dramatic, and they just assume you're going to know. Same thing with the with the you know the con scene where instead of Spock dying, it's Kirk, except he doesn't really, and he doesn't do it much faster than Spock didn't really die. You know, right. before. Right. It's just it's just they're just counting on you. It's or it's like I'll even jump over to Star Wars. It's like the, whatever the hell the first new Star Wars was after the first six. Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Where it's all these new characters, and that's fine, but then it's like, oh, here's the R2, here's the moment when R2 and, and, and C3PO met the first time. And for a second, you go, oh, that's cool. And then after the thing roars along, you go, well, that was just wasted <laughs> in the middle of all this other stuff. I mean, and whether yeah. you enjoy the overall movie or not, sometimes those little moments, they just, they're just they just thrown away. And it, But this, this movie was a case where 
it's almost like somebody went through and did everything they thought they were supposed to do to tug on heartstrings or hit buttons, or or that originally started off with a different um, vibe, and by the time the committee got through with it, you know, or by the time it was a script, and then my other theory is, and I know the first movie because the script is out there. The last time I checked, this script, uh, unless I sleep with somebody or something. The script is not out, much less online, but like even floating around in places where there ought to be a copy of it. For for Into Darkness? For Stid, yeah. I've always called oh, wow. it Stid. Wow. Um, but I think... Because they know it'll reveal too much Well, I don't know, problem? but I mean, every... When we were looking at... When we were talking about Nemesis back in the day, and I remember being excited when I read the script and thinking, oh my God, these some of these scenes are going to be so cinematic. They're going to be so incredible. When they We've never had anything rammed. And they're not just ramming. They're like the world's biggest fish hook. It's going to be painful when they unram. <laughs> and that was just, it was just like blown away. And there was some dialogue that I remember being blown away by like a page turner with the script, like a novel going, oh, this is going to be so cool. And it was just blown away. It was just like thrown away. And somebody made the comment, and I've always taken this to heart, that almost all of the original Star Trek movies, including the next gens, you know, for better or for poorer, were all better. The final products were all better than sometimes the script deserved to be. Like the the production lifted the script, and the problem with the the second JJ movie was that a lot. Some people said that. Well, I don't know. The first movie you can see that, but I don't think that the final product lifted the script the way all the original ones had done. And maybe that was because they were just hungry with money. You know, money was no option, and people just threw money at things. And they weren't being, you know, economic and, and, and recycling and, and, and being spare. Uh, just like, you know, Star Trek doing its sets versus Lost in Space's big blinky light sets and what now looks sure. like. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But I just – I remember that concept of the script versus the final production, remembering how much better I enjoyed the script than the final production of Nemesis, and seeing how the final production of 09 was JJified even over the script and wondering how much of that was going on with, 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 with Into Darkness. But anyway, so yeah, I could, I could live with Cumberbatch's con, although it was like, why? You know, because people would say, well, he was originally supposed to be a Sikh and you had Ricardo Monoma. He's Latino and he's a Sikh, so that's out the window. But I don't know, then you have a pasty white British guy, and then they come up with yeah. a backstory, you know, oh, he well, learned a British accent, yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, you know what, so. what I did to make it work for me? It was I decided to, they woke up Joaquin, who passed himself off as Khan. And <laughs> okay. then I was like, now cool. Good, yeah. Good headcanon there, yes. Yeah. Poor old, you know, oh, yeah. And the revenge of, of Judson Scott there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we as fans, we can always make shit work should we choose to. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what it comes down to. Which brings us to topic Making three. Making shit work since 1964. That'd be a great, you know, tagline. Oh, that'd be a great t-shirt. We should make that mm-hmm. a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll do topic number three to uh, Joe's picks and then our main topic for the week, but... The the thing I wanted to talk about a little bit before we uh, we start to wind down is, are we as fans spoiled little punks now? Because the new Star Wars movie came out and everybody kind of, well, half of everybody kind of threw a little fit. And nobody's happy with Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman in a movie. Um, are we too smart for our own good? What, what do you guys think is going on in the world of fandom these days that we're just not okay with anything anymore. 
are, are we carrying around too much information in our little black boxes? In our That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a natural byproduct of the uh, positive aspects of, we'll say, social media slash internet, where you can anyone can be a creator. You know, you and I. You know, we want to do a podcast. We can do a podcast, mm-hmm. which is great. Like there's there's it's a positive thing for for this. Uh, you want to want to make a short movie? You can literally do it on your iPhone and be now Oscar nominated or you know. Um, that the you keep going down that road and everyone's opinion all of a sudden is an expert because they've dabbled in in any of those fields and that's where that's the problem that's where we run into issues you know with this where everyone's got this i'm an expert opinion not just i liked it i thought it was good no no like i went to film school like i actually studied some of this stuff my opinion might have a little more weight or i work in the field that might have a little more weight not just I've seen everything five times, you know, I don't know. I've done 27 podcasts, so I'm a, a yeah. 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 I, I, I remember thinking this cause I'm, a, I'm, I, my field, my background is journalism and theater entertainment, both. And I remember thinking this starting to see this five, 10 years ago on one hand, you know, the army of citizen and politics and public affairs, the army of citizen bloggers and the transparency and what we were, you know, what was happening uh, and opening up the channels of communication and more more points of view and all that was good, but then you just wound up with anybody that had a damn iPad thought they were you know right. There's an old there's an old Brooks and Reiner you know when they were doing the thousand year old man two thousand year old man there's a, there was one bit another thing about the World Psychiatric Convention and one guy said he became a psychiatrist he went out in the field put his hand on a rock and said I am a psychiatrist and and uh, and that's the way this was a lot of ways. And I'll be reading something now and just start wincing. Like, do you not know what like second reference is or like according to who or what or who said this? Like not just a narrative, but opinions are coming down that wait, I sorry, I thought this started as a news story, not a not a blog opinion piece, but all of a sudden it lurches into things that are just stated that are that could be uh, debated, but they're not attributed. I mean, and and um I'm talking I've switched over to pop culture now. I mean that was it was bad enough in like real world stuff where people die. Um but yeah, I think that's caught up with the genre. What you're talking about I think is is it's the wave coming across to pop culture now, but it's that same dynamic of if you can buy yourself a an iPhone, you're a you're an expert. Much less right. a pad, much less an iMac. I mean it's like the size of even what you're typing on doesn't even make how big an expert you are and where you're trying to sound off about on. Your bona fides is just a wacky word now. It doesn't mean anything. No, I, I can see that. I remember reading a piece from a, a doctor or a scientist who said that just because you have a Twitter account doesn't make us equal. <laughs> you know, like just because, you know, you're on Twitter doesn't mean your opinion about, yeah. like, um, you know, shots is the same as mine. Right. Yeah. Now that's I you know I like I never want to be the one to shut anybody. I mean there have always been the times when the young, the brightest, the new boy or girl genius, you know, there's a breakthrough. Somebody is always going to be the new age, whatever should never be the filter, should never be the dampener. Someone's always going to break through and join the pack, but it can't be everybody. It's like it's like the you know the old thing about uh, participation trophies. You know, everybody on the team gets a trophy, not just <clears> the, <throat> the 0 and 10 team and everybody get a trophy. 
you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that's. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. No, I, it's 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 related to that. I have a theory of any movie that I've any movie that I've seen within. I used to be ten years, but I'm relaxing it a little bit. We'll say five years. Any movie that that I hear someone say, "Oh my God, that's my favorite movie of all time," and it's been released in the last five to ten years, I think you haven't really seen a lot of movies. You know, like like there there needs to be some perspective and some marinating on on almost everything that that we see and we we handle, and and we, we're not we don't get a lot of that in the geek culture, you know, in the pop culture. Everything is everything is the most the newest thing is the biggest thing. It's they oh my god they never did this before. Oh my god it's this. And they go no man you know what let it yeah. let it ruminate a little bit. Or or just realize you've only been doing this for five years. It's the same thing that now, now I realize it's about clickbait pennies. But you know, sure. five, ten years ago, you're what you're you're wading through the internet, and it's you know like the ten craziest uh, pink movies that start with a Q in history, or you know whatever it is, the most amazing scenes from comedy TV ever, or the you know or the or the most outlandish scenes from sci-fi films ever. And you realize it's from the you know it's like I'm sorry if they couldn't if it was a movie that was if it was a black and white movie it's not on the list. Or right. yeah, of course. obviously yep. was born in the nineties because yep. they've left off they've left off MASH and they've left off the Mary Tyler Moore show. Or what you know, whatever yeah. it is, their their little scope is only five to ten and if they think, well the only people online reading this are people my same age, then they're all happy, you know, they're all having mm-hmm. their little igloo together. But anybody with a little more leavening, where is the yeah, where's the seasoning, where's the leavening? Are we all just getting so short sighted? Is it is the internet dumbing things down and we talk about the ADD culture, not to denigrate anybody with legit ADD, but the short attention span world that we're all speeded up into with the internet and digital right. devices. And it's, um, yeah, which is the thing in my little niche in my community. That's what I, I always try to go back to the long view of the Trek world, which, you know, exists in 64, but you know, the world in general and entertainment in general and all of that and media, uh, is let's have a little context here, guys, and not, not, dive off the deep end but it's i don't know is that inevitable is it just going to be where we are yeah i know yeah it's that old thing about well if it you know it's like it used to be if there's not a painting of it it didn't really happen and then it was if there's not (laughs) if there's not a black and white photo of it it didn't happen and then if there's not a black and white movie of it it didn't happen yeah now if there's not a now if there's not a sex if there's not a sex tape of it it didn't happen well, yeah, yep. yeah. I was about to jump in if there's not a 4K of it, it didn't happen. But, you know, it's like every iteration of media leap into color. And, into, you know, is it going to be – I'm sorry. There's no uh, 5D uh, purple, pink, hollow, well, whatever. You know what it makes me, emitter, what it makes me wonder is did my grandfather look at um, uh, the, the Green Hornet versus Batman and go, well, Cato's not Chinese. Obviously, this isn't real. <laughs> is that no. too, too subtle no, for everybody I'm, here? I'm going to say no, he didn't. <laughs> I'm going to say no, he didn't. Oh. I can't remember so the actor's I, name, but Stanley, Sidney, whatever, that used to play Charlie Chan. Now, some of this is like Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff. But I, you know, it's on some things are good. Some things people have reared up. I mean, the whole, you know, the whole the whole women's the me too and, and harassment and all that. But the, some of this thing about casting and races and, and there are, you know, it's, it's amazing in theater. There's a whole freedom of casting where they cast men as women and, 
there's a whole philosophy of that, right? And reverse casting and all that. But sure, that's like artistic freedom versus representing groups who have not been represented before. And you get well, one, one, one key at the door and you take that away kind of a thing. Yeah, so, but you also right. get into stage acting as an actor's medium. And then screen acting is a director's and producer's medium. And there's like a whole... And, and live versus... Per, per, yeah, uh, that's uh, a preserved. whole jar of pickles that we don't want to eat out of probably on, on regular. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dilly, that's true, yeah. That's true, yeah. Oh, that's All a right, pun. So, wow, <laughs> that was good. That was good, Larry. I like that a lot. Sorry. I'm a big fan, a big so, fan of what you just dropped. <laughs> did I just sour up the whole show? Okay. <laughs> not at all, not at all. But what I can take from that is our fans spoiled little punks. Yes, yes, we are. I, you know, I there was a time when I thought that all bar fights would go away because people wouldn't sit there. Somebody would go, I don't know. Let me check, and you'd look it up in your on your phone and go, Oh no, he didn't play that. So and so played it, and he, you know. But no, right. it just shifts no. to the next thing that somebody. Can well, you know, not. I don't mean again to take it this route, but now you get back into facts aren't facts anymore. You know. Oh you know, yeah. People, I, you, for real, like people don't believe. The reality of it, they they want to they want to live in their in their head cannon. Well, then that's a, that's where we need to like have a little head cannon stickers. <laughs> when you get something like that, you just reach in your pocket and slap it on their forehead and say, "Okay, fine, but let's just let's just call a head cannon a head cannon. Let's just head cannon head cannon buckshot, so to speak. Let's just All right. call that you put the fifty bucks in the middle of the board when you get out of jail. <laughs> it's your home made up rule and that's fine as long as that's what we call it that's what we're going to stick with by god alright so let's get off of that yes fans are spoiled little punks hey Joe Hey. what are your comic, are your comic picks for the week oh man I, this is actually a pretty good week um, so the biggest and the baddest is uh, Doomsday Clock number 3 comes out this week uh, Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, they've been uh, so far only two issues have come out, but they've killed both those issues. I don't care what side of the debate you land on of should they or shouldn't they. This is this is being told so far. It's being told really, really well. And it's being very it is very reverent of Watchmen and also advancing the Watchmen story forward, um, you know, without really putting any thumb in any Watchmen eye, you know. Uh, yeah. I've enjoyed the first two quite a bit. I like the new, the two new characters, uh, the Joker and Harley Quinn uh, versions, the mime guy. Yeah, wonderful, mime. Wonderful, sir. What do they call yeah, them? The mime and my, yeah, I, I keep wanting to say Punch and Julie, but that's who they actually they were. That's Punch and Julie were the original on. characters. Yeah, but yeah. they're great. So I, I'm excited, and and I love the integration with the DCU because DC is. And DC is all about multiple universes and crossing over and bring, I mean, literally from the first, you know, from the very origins of like bringing the justice society and back in the forties, they were all yep. from different actual companies. So I'm a big fan. So I think, can't wait for doomsday clock three. Uh, of course it's out this week. I just haven't picked up my copy yet. Um, the second book I'm really excited about is Marvel two and one number two, because I love Ben Grimm. It's clobbering time. It's always clobbering time. And it's finally, we're getting a Fantastic Four book, even though it's not, but it is. And it's great. Uh, it was, the first issue was really enjoyable. Um, 
So I'm all for Marvel 2 and 1, number 2. If you haven't picked it up, that's going to be a title that a lot of people are going to overlook because it's Fantastic Four, and that was never a huge seller to begin with. And it's it's got that clunky name, you know, Marvel 2 and 1. It's an old-school classic yeah. name. But it's not, a, it's not a flashy name. Don't pass it by. It's a really, really good comic book. And then thirdly is uh, Phoenix Resurrection number four, staying over at Marvel. I've been enjoying the Phoenix Resurrection storyline. I like Jean Grey. I don't care how many times they bring her back. I like the adult Jean Grey. I'm not a huge fan of her being a teenager. I'm done with the teenagers. I love it. I like seeing this. I, I like the mystery of what dream world she's living in. I want to know how she's going to break out of it. I hope she brings back with her from the realm of the dead, like Cyclops and a couple other dudes like Banshee, maybe. Um, so I'm a fan. It's been, it's been a good read. Awesome. And I assume I can paraphrase for Stan Lee by saying I'm into adult Jean gray too. Yeah. You could also paraphrase. That's what Charles Xavier said in the first issue. Oh, that's right. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awkwardly. So awkwardly. So, Oh, All right. Jean, will Jean ever know that I care for her? No, Charles. She won't. She won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. All right, yeah, so um, I, I just want to throw out there that normally Paul would do the picks of the week, but Paul is in the United States Air Force, and he's been deployed for the probably that's the first guy. half of this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, everybody, if you are the praying sort or the thinking sort, send a little love Paul's way. He'll be back with us when he can, hopefully. Uh, but until then, uh, what's that? What's his, what branch to the service? U.S. Air Force. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll fly high that's normally, the year. yeah, that's normally his spot, but until then, Joe will probably fill in for him. Um, but we'll be looking for guest hosts to fill his spot until then. Uh, so everybody, you know, thank you, Paul. Thank you for what you do for our country. Um, Absolutely. but Yeah. But this week, uh, a little bit earlier in the week, our friend Larry hit me up and said, hey, Jeremy, I got a project coming up that I want to talk about. I don't know if you got time for me to come on and talk about it. And Larry has done episodes of the show that were not the live episodes, but I was more than happy to bring him on for this. But Larry does have a new project we want to talk about. It's going to be called The Trek Files. And Larry, why don't you tell us about that? Well, it's uh, this is actually something that came to me, and it's actually done and actually <laughs> finished. It is not eternally under construction. No, um, you know, so Rod Roddenberry and all things Roddenberry and the Mission Log podcast that my friend John Champion uh, co-hosts, um, along with Ken Ray, um, they've acquired two other podcasts. Uh, Rod is starting a podcast network, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first original, aside from Mission Log, uh, it's, a, it's, it's two or three things coming together. One is a lot of Gene's papers and Majel's papers have been donated to the UCLA uh, archives library. And you can, you know, scholars can go in and get them. But they had boatloads of stuff still at the house that weren't just technically scripts and story memos, although they still had a lot of those. And Rod wanted to do something with them. He's got letters. He's got memos. He's got all kinds of interesting things. And they... Basically, he and, and John Champion came to me and said, we want to do a podcast where we pick a document every week um, and talk about it, put it in context. So the Trek Files is basically deep diving into Gene's papers, and sometimes it's by him, sometimes it's something to him. Uh, letters, forwards, correspondence, uh, memos, pitches, 
notes on things from other people that didn't never saw the light of day. Uh, some really interesting things, and some things that are that are commonly known, but maybe it's a little slant. Maybe it's his notes in the margin of the page. Um, and uh, it's weekly, 15 minutes, me and a guest. And uh, we've had them done for oh, a couple months here. It's just been getting all the ducks in a row to get them launched. But finally, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday the 23rd, they are going to drop. There is a Trek Files page on Facebook. It's going to be very simple. You can, I mean, you can go to podcast.roddenberry.net. It's also going to be in the main feed of um, uh, the Trek FM podcast network, which also carries Mission Log too. But you can go to Roddenberry for the um, the hub to get out to iTunes and, and everything else where you podcast. Or podcast from. So, but the Facebook page you can listen to one-offs there. But the Facebook page will also have the document that we're talking about, whether it's one page or seven or eight pages or whatever it is. And if it's big enough, we're splitting things into multi-part episodes, sometimes with with a different guest on to talk about it. But the cool thing was, so every Tuesday people can go there, if, unless they're subscribed to the podcast, but they can at least go there. Get the document, and then that's where the comment, you know, thread will be after you listen to the show. Um, and I'm very excited because John uh, Champion was one of my uh, one of my rotating guests in this first batch of people. Dave Rossi, who started as a fan PA at Paramount and wound up being Rick Berman's assistant uh, after Mary Howard, and then uh, an associate producer on Enterprise, and was one of he and the Akutas produced the uh, remastered original series Blu-rays with all that new CG done um, and uh, still works at Paramount and a name you may have heard of Dorothy Fontana. Oh, oh nice. So, Once or twice. Yeah, yes. that. yeah. So they are uh, my first batch and we've done uh, probably a, a dozen and a half shows already. And um, so finally we get to share them with the world. It's been a, a, about a month later than I thought, but, but all is forgiven. <laughs> We're finally getting them out there, and I'm just really, really excited about it. And, of course, when it's Rod Askew and it has the Roddenberry name on it, that's that's a very cool thing. But the other thing was, for 10 years, I've been a guest on podcasts. And I thought, you know, years ago, when I was on Trek FM so much with Chris and every, you know, and your show and so many other really good podcasts that are out there, and some not so good, but I've always loved talking about it. But I thought to myself years ago, should I do my own? And I thought, it, now that there are so many and so many people doing, you know, citizen citizen uh, podcasting here, like we're talking, mm-hmm. unless I can really add something new or take something to a new level, I don't want to. I'll just be happy to guest and share and promote my stuff with everybody else. And that's been great. I, in the back of my mind, I have another idea for something that hopefully we can well, work on now. Hold but, on, hold on. Let me let me let me stop yeah. you right there, real quick, Larry, because I was actually going to try to come up with a pitch for my network, Astro Panda, that we could offer to you and go, hey, Larry, come do a show for us. And then you hit me this week. You're like, oh, hey, the Roddenberry Network. I'm like, well, shit, we're done. That's it. We got nothing to offer. <laughs> well, the cool thing about this is obviously it's, it's you know, it's Rod's property. Basically, it's the family yeah. stuff. Yeah. So so I was really, you know, honored and thrilled that, that Rod said, uh, why don't we get Larry to do this? It's like, yeah, that's great. we want it are all busy, so we'll get Larry. No, but um, uh, so that was that was part of it, too. But the other part on my end was um, and they're and you know what? They're just they're To me, they're like bite sized. They're 15 minutes. It's not exactly like a Paul Harvey newscast or something. I think we're a little better than that. But um, and now, you know, the rest of the story. But it's it's 
to me, it's very producible. We can do several in a run. We can have a guest come in and do several, you know, at a time. And uh, it's just a really good. Uh, John basically came up with the concept and pitched it to me. I, I, you know, I was like, okay, let's do this. And the simplicity of it, the documents there, the show is there, and um, you know, and comment away in one place. So. Yeah. Well, then I have to ask. And I don't. Uh, and I don't feel like I'm just throwing more on the pile. That it's something. No, no, no but, but yeah. But I got to ask because obviously there was something in here that really inspired you to do this. Can you tell me? what the coolest document you got to read and talk about is that's going to be coming up on your show. Oh, I can't tell you because we're going to save it a little bit. We're not leading off with the hottest thing, but I guarantee you there was one thing we found that I literally, and I've been, I've been a fan since I was a kid. I've been doing this professionally 20 ish years. I literally fell off my chair at one point. Well, not literally. I figuratively, I should have literally fallen off my chair. I think I may have faked it. Just so I can say literally, um, but there's, there's something that I think I think we're gonna. Have, there's one piece uh, that will be headlines in the Trek media and the geek media and the sci-fi media world, and we may even bleed out into um, into mainstream entertainment media with it. Uh, and that's the actually now that I'm looking at the schedule in front of me, that's the uh, fourth episode. So um, and there's, right. there's two or three more. We're, we found a lot of material on the 70s. This is 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, Gene died in 91. Yeah. And, um, and we found pieces from all different eras. And some of it's the other projects he did. Some of it is uh, the movies that came and went that never got made in the 70s until things finally wound up with, wound up with the motion picture. So, um, you know, from the pilot of, the, of Star Trek II, the series, it didn't happen. So, no, some really fun some, – and some things are just a little small and just kind of enlightening. And uh, some surprising little things, but some some big pieces too. So we we have a lot of uh, we have a good variety. And the first week, I'm just going to say this: the first week, the document is a document that anybody who calls themselves, I don't know, a cadet level fan, <laughs> hopefully has read this. It's not a secret rare thing, but the take that we're going to bring to it versus what's going on. It's what Rod wanted us to do. He wants to start with this as a basic foundational tenet of, of Star Trek. And then we found another document. The second week is one that um, it's in, it was in the R&D period for Next Generation. But, it, my God, there's a line lifted right out of the pilot of Discovery. And I, and I, and I just couldn't believe it. So I was like, this is amazing. So, um, so part of this is context. Part of it is, you know, context of the time and relevancy to today, both in the, in the Trek franchise, in pop culture, in, in the world at large, which is you know, kind of what Star Trek always had under its belt. So. So, yeah, Fantastic. All right. So, guys, we're going to wrap up. we got about a minute here. Joe, if people want to find Joe on Joe, where can they find you, Joe? Find me at Joe on Joe uh, on iTunes. You go to Joe on Joe Pod. That's on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And just find me on anywhere you get your podcast. Look for Joe on Joe, and uh, you'll be entertained. I promise. <laughs> yeah, and now they Joe, and Joeing but Now is. they Joe, and Joeing is half the battle. <laughs> Fantastic. Larry, if people want to find your show before it comes up, where can they start looking for you at? Right. Well, the Trek Files is uh, its just the Trek Files on Facebook and also uh, podcast.roddenberry.com, and that'll send you where you can get it. But me, myself, and I, LarryNimichek.com, at LarryNimichek on Twitter, LarryNimichek's Trekland on Facebook, besides the aspects for Portal 47, my deep dive monthly experience like no other. 
where we go where no savvy fans gone before backstage. And um, Trekland Trunk online with some of my studio pieces. And uh, Larry Nimichuk's Trekland is my um, Instagram, too. And Larry Nimichuk on YouTube. And Trekland, Tuesday's Trekland Live is my little thing I've been doing for about six months. Tuesday afternoons, 1 o'clock Pacific for about 15 minutes, just on Facebook, talking about the thing of the week. And we're also tracking the only kind of metric that's doing ratings for Discovery of some kind and the other streaming shows and uh, genre shows that are out there. Fantastic. Hey, Joe, we ran over time, but it wasn't me this time. It was Larry. Sorry, I told you. (laughs) Mark that one for the books. Yep, that's that's one for the books right there. Actually, Larry, it's okay because this will be available for the playback, but people listening live will miss it. So it gives them reason to come back. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's okay. It's awesome. Larry, thank you for joining us. It was a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you very much, Larry. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. It was great great to meet and talk. Absolutely, yeah. man. I look forward to meeting you in person one day. Yeah, let's do that. Actually, you guys probably live around the corner from each other too, so you know. Uh, You're both Larry, what is your Larry? What is your exact address as we're recording? Uh, I'm in Sunland <laughs> on the Sunland Dahanga border. Oh, good times, good times. Hey guys, thank you. A lot of fun. I'm glad, Joe. Thank you for doing this. I will oh, try to brother. find a fill-in for you for next week or whenever you can't make it. Yeah, I'll but... confirm with you when I can, yeah. Yeah, but otherwise, um, Larry, if you want to fill in guest hosts with us again, just let me know. We do this three times a month on Thursdays at 7 o'clock. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, we do let's, We do it live. What new normal is going to turn into here. We'll, oh, we're going to no, do no. it live. <laughs> we're doing it live, just like Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Yeah. He sure did. <laughs> Until the very end. <laughs> I hope he burns in hell. All right, everybody. I'm sure sure that he will. <laughs> yeah, that's Geekish Cast Live for uh, January 18th, 2018. And, uh, well, I guess that's it. Bye-bye, everybody. Some of us will see you next week. Yeah, truck well, everybody. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Good night. Take care, guys. Thanks. Thanks to you, buddy. <laughs>